lightning. Inspirational. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome back to Conversations with the Royal Empress. This is Dr. Hakima, and joining me is my sister from another mother, my kindred spirit and co-host the Royal Empress, Akilah. But check this out. Also joining us, we had to bring two very special co-hosts back, some, some power hitters. We had to bring them back. Some sisters on a whole nother level. We got not just one special co-host, but two. We had to double the power. We got Dr. Doodle back on the show with us. Say, say hey, Dr. Doodle. Hey, y'all, hey. And we got y'all. Or y'all for me, gay back on the show with us. Can you say hey, y'all? Hey, people. What's <laughs> happening, good people? How you doing this evening? Woo, see, we had to bring our, our two sisters back. We got a powerful topic, something that I know our sisters would appreciate and benefit from. Today's topic is, what is the root of my suffering and how do I overcome it? Hmm. Mm, that's powerful, ain't it? Yeah, that's pretty deep. Hmm. It is. <laughs> hmm. Dr. Duda, I want you to go first, Dr. Duda. You know, okay, <laughs> fine. You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the topic, and there's so many different ways to talk about it, but the one, the, there was one word that came to my mind, and the word was manifestation. Mm. When we talk about how some things are moving into our lives, some of it uh, is stuff we can't control. And I'm always talking about that. What can I not, I can't, for me, I can't control my children. I can't control my husband, but I work a, really hard to influence them. And so some of what I'm aiming for is a manifestation of things and not just, they're not just things that are coming at me. And I think sometimes when we get in that place where we're just like, you know, the world is just, it's just what it is, and I can't win for losing, and all of that. To me, those are words. I, I'm real. My kids are like, man, are you real picky about those words? Like, you know, man, you know, my my this is that, and my what? I'm not being picky. I just believe that we're manifesting. I just believe that we're manifesting, and of course, we say some stuff like. Like, uh, I'm just playing around. I ain't mean it. I ain't mean it. Um, and so those are idle words going out. But I don't believe that words just go out. So I will hold, you know, a reserve and, and, and really try to wait till I can express myself in a, in, in a way that's not going to be 
sending words out that's going to manifest something that I'm not going for. And even with that, the, you know, sometimes we think, well, oh, I didn't put intention behind it. I think some things manifest because of intention and some things manifest because of words. And then sometimes it comes together as a duo. And it just, when we put our intention out there with our words, I believe big things happen. At the core, I believe some of us are really, we really feel in our hearts that, you know, man, this is just, you know, whatever. And we speak that out and we speak it out and we reinforce it. And I think that it takes some work to, to, to begin to break that. What about you, y'all? I see that yeah. face. Because I see <clears throat> your face. She's ready to unload. <laughs> Come on. I know. Man. I was looking at her face as, as you were talking. And I'm like, <laughs> she, like she got something. Well, I, I, I love that my sis opened with manifestation mm. um, because I'm huge in manifest and mm-hmm. um, over the course, I, mm, I literally, literally just did a live today on black girl pain <laughs> and black girl mm. healing literally today. Mm. And one of the things that I was talking about, everybody's talking about black girl magic, but mm-hmm. no one wants to talk about black girl pain. Come on now. Come on. And we literally <laughs> get to the magic through the pain. Literally. Mm. And so say it, y'all. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so, I'm over here praising the Lord. You see this, right? <laughs> what happens is we want to present to the world because the world in this culture, in Western culture, has led us to believe. Well, if we walk in our power and don't show our pain and we can get over it and we're strong and Mm. all of those things, then we will achieve the epitome of black girl magic. And yet you still hurt and Mm. it's still Mm. lingering and it's still just sitting there and you like, well, what the hell? And then in, 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 in from the, the Christian perspective, because I started in Christianity and then I ended up in Yoruba, <laughs> in the Christian perspective, it, it talks about, um, you know, life and death is in the power of mm-hmm. the tongue. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when my sister says manifest, then I'm, I'm just going to be as raw. <laughs> Go ahead, girl. Get in there now. So be wrong. what be wrong. do you think you are manifesting and doing when you say, this is killing me? <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Come you know, through, y'all. Come through, if, y'all. if it says life and death, not just life, it says, and death is in the power of the tongue. And you're saying, this is getting on my last nerve. So you have now put yourself at the end of your rope because you're on your last nerve. So you skip 
the gazillion other nerves and went to the last nerve. You didn't leave yourself with a reserve. Hmm. Then you turn around and you say, it's killing you, be it your head is killing you or what have you, because you have a headache. You'll say, in hunger, I'm starving. I'm starving to death. Yes. You know, or I had a sister who said this and literally manifested it, and she's now with the ancestors. She said, and I quote, this man is driving me crazy. <laughs> and I want to say within a year or so, her mind was not under her own control. And then two, two, three years after that, she just went on and drifted on out of here. What do you think you are doing? I teach the women in Unapologetically Me and my students in the diaspora class that I'm teaching about every time you open your mouth, you are either casting or conjuring. Come on now. Now, don't nobody want to hear that because that's language that sounds very witchy. Mm. Whatever it is to you, if you understand what casting and conjuring is, that ties right in with life and death is in the power of the Yes, tongue. it does. Yes, it does. The universe is set up by whatever name you want to call it. I call it universe. Sometimes I call it Olodomari, others will call it God, others will call it Allah, whatever name you use. The universe is set up for you to win. It is set up for you to win. Say and that it again. is waiting for you to energize, to kick in and be a part of it and say what you mean so it knows how to move in your direction for your benefit. So, if you say, this is killing me, it's killing you. Okay. It will start killing you first mentally, then emotionally, and then physically. If you say it is driving you crazy, it will start the engine and it will begin to drive. If you say it's on your last nerve, know that you've put yourself in a box and it will work that last nerve. And that last nerve will be raw and you may not have that nerve to fall back on anymore. And you will deal with the results of that. You ain't got to agree with me. I'm cool with that. I've seen the results. I was guilty of it myself in my own life. And now I speak it and I move it a different way. I know in the Christian church, you got one half that'll say, name it and claim it. And then you got the other half that'll say, well, you know, it's so much more than naming it and claiming it. But it all begins first with, with the yep. thought and then yep. what you produce out your mouth. 
I love that so, you said those together because when you, the thought is the intention. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. And then what you produce out of your mouth is the word. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like I said before, one, you know, maybe it's, um, I'm just haphazardly saying, it's like, uh, some of this stuff we just say, like, uh, you know, um, just throwing words out. And then other times people don't say anything, but the, the, the thoughts in their mind mm-hmm. are just going amok, running amok. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, when they manifest them things together, when they start putting the thoughts with the words and, and they start producing this thing and we wonder, why is this always happening to me? Mm-hmm. And why they all, it just seemed like whatever. I tell people all the time um, and, and I'm not, I don't, I often don't talk about some stuff because some people at this point in the world, the way the world is, people look for steps one, two, three. Right. Step one, step two, step three. And if there is no step one, step two, step three. But I can say one area where I really work to manifest is my marriage. So we celebrated 25 years. Hey, and I remember- congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And we still like each other. That's I got to throw that in. Like, yeah, we still like each other. And they act like some doggone newlyweds. You should see them. I see. I done walked up on them in a restaurant. I'm like, who is this newlyweds over here up there about to rape each other in the, in the, in the restaurant? They all looking at each other, looking at each other. They got Google eyes at each other. I'm like, I said, let me bust this up. Let me bust this up. She'd be like, uh, hey, what's going on? But I, the, the, I did not even understand what manifestation was. I had never, uh, I had never heard that word in the church much. Like manifest, I had, I knew about the life, power of life and death, and it's, I knew about that, but I didn't know. But there was something in me that said, and I and I stand by this. I'm not saying try it and it'll work for you. I'm just saying my intention and my words lined up with this, and I've seen it manifest in my life. Um, I said, before I ever said it to him, I said, you know, uh, when he blesses me, as he's good to me, he's going to be blessed and he's going to continue to prosper. And I wasn't even talking to him at the time. I just said, he tries so hard to be good to me. And I'll be like, God, prosper him. Mm. Make him this, make him that. And I would just say that. uh, uh, uh." And he didn't (laughs) even know it. He didn't know what I was, he didn't know. I wasn't saying it to him. But as I started seeing stuff happen and I watched when we got married, I was making more money than he was. Both of us were college educated, but I was making more. And I remember I was just, you know, we were having these babies and doing stuff. And, 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 and then I would start saying it to him. I said, when he would do something, just that was the best that he could do for me. I would say, you know what? Because you aim to be so good to me. God is going to bless you. God is going to increase you. Everything that you, I would just start saying it to him. And he would sit there and look at me like, he didn't even know how to take it. And I would just keep saying, you are going to have the desires of your heart. The things that come to your heart are going to manifest because you work so hard to be a good husband for me. This is what's going to happen to you. And I have done that. I probably got my mind about it maybe five years into our marriage. So I've done that. And I have watched and watched. And, and, and when things will happen, he got laid off. He got this. I said, you are going to be blessed. And I would keep speaking it. It's not like bad stuff didn't happen. And not like it didn't 
you know, it, nothing went wrong. We've had layoffs. We've had all kinds of things happen, downsides. We've had all that. But I truly believe in that one area. And then I'll just say this. I realized that, you know, and I do, I tell him at this point, you know, we're 25 years in. I said, you know, I'm the reason why you're blessed, don't you? <laughs> you're so you humble. You know, I'm the reason. Tell the truth, girl. Sometimes you got to remind. What you say? It's a wet dog that don't, that don't wag its own tail. It's a pole dog that don't wag its own tail. Tell the truth, why don't a you? A pole dog. I said, you know, you're blessed because of me. And he done got cocky over the years, you know, because at first he wouldn't have responded. Like, so, you know, you. You know, you blessed because of me too, right? You know, you know, you, you, you know, we got, we both holding this thing down now, you know, so I look at it and, and sometimes I realize in all honesty, it's like when I look at aspects of my life, I can tell when I have not lined up my intention, the thoughts and my words. So I see you about ready to talk. Go, go, y'all. I see you. Oh, no, I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I was just thinking, you know, when you talk about the thoughts, you know, I can remember even in Christianity, it, it literally quotes about taking your thoughts captive. Come on, mm. girl. See, see, I, I, I was in Christianity a long time, baby, you know, and I'm one of them trained seminary clergy. Okay. And so I, I'm always clear to let people know I'm not just, I wasn't one of them people that just flipped her collar around and was like, okay, I'm Rev. You know, I'm trained clergy, you know, and I was trained by the best, you know. And so when you talk about taking your, your trainer was, don't let the world know who the trainer was. Really? Yeah, let the world know who your trainer I want to know. My train, I was, I was a member of Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago, pastored and under the tutelage of Reverend Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright Jr. There you go. Okay. And Come on, so, tutelage. You know, um, so I'm one of those people that came through his training and what have you. Um, and that is my father in ministry, right along with Reverend Clyde White, Reverend Barbara Hurd, Reverend um, Wanda Washington, mm. you know, Melbalina Evans, you know, I mean, these are some of the powerhouses, Reverend Barbara Allen. These are the people um, exposed to and having had the, um, privilege of meeting Reverend Dr. Cynthia Hale and Reverend Renita Weems. These are mm. powerhouse folks mm. that I have had the honor to sit and listen and learn and, and what have you. Um, now, at the end of the day, that may mean nothing to nobody. But I say that to simply say, I'm not one of your fly-by-nighters, you know, I am trained. So when I quote the script, you know, everybody don't know the addresses and this and that, but you can look it up for yourself. It <laughs> does talk about, you know, taking your thoughts captive. Yes, it does. Being made in the image of goddess, goddess had a thought and then goddess spoke the thought and then the spirit of goddess went into action to make it all happen. And so when we understand that or better understand that now under the Christian tenet, it will be that God had the thought because it starts off, you know, at the beginning, God created heaven and earth. 
And, but God had the thought first. In Yoruba, it's, you know, Olodomare sent the Irumala, the 401 Irumala down, and they had assignment to begin the creation process to set everything in place for the humans that were going to be created. And so thought is everything. And we're made in that image. We Come on now. are made mm-hmm. in that image. And being made in that image means that we also have certain powers and abilities. But there are certain situations where we are limited or mistaught because we were taught in a Western culture that is more patriarchal. And so they will diminish us um, to a sense as as women. And and we've been mistaught. And we've been taught that, you know, we can't even really trust what we have in our own hearts and what we're thinking. But I'm supposed, because my heart ain't ain't really that good, but I'm supposed to trust (laughs) some man's heart and some man's thought because he's the preacher, pastor, he's the, the, the over me, I'm from his rib or whatever. And, and I'm going to take umbrage with all of that. And, and um, because first of all, I, I can read Hebrew, I can read Greek, just for the record. And so when I read that, it don't say I came from his rib. That's the first thing. It says I come from his side. Now that's still in my my training, a misinterpretation. Because when I go back to the ways of my ancestors, they always understood that creation came through me, a woman. And they always understood that we started pathogenically. And science even proves right now that all of creation starts as a female in utero. And then there are some months later when it flips and the ovaries turn into testicles. And so instead of your ovaries being up on your inside of you, They are now hanging on the outside of you. That presents a problem in understanding in society. You know, um, people struggle with that. And how could that be? You know, everybody goes around and say things like, oh, you got to have balls for this. I always say, no, you need to have ovaries. You need to have ovaries. You know, because actually, when I'm looking at those who have balls, societally, oh my God, they screwing everything up. They are really so. It's got to be something about your ovaries hanging outside your body instead of being up inside you. Oh I digress. My point being, I, I can, my you. point being, our thought process on everything is upside down. Mm. And for it to get right, for us to understand the root of our suffering, it has to first go 
with flipping the thought process right side up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have a problem accepting that we may have been mistaught mm -hmm. because the preacher said it, our mothers may have said it, our grandmamas may have said it, and I ain't throwing no shade on none of them people because I love all them people in my life as well. But my mama taught me and my grandmama taught me and my preacher taught me based on what they were taught. And unless they came to a point when they started digging and trying to know God is for themselves and then recognize that maybe, just maybe, there was something wrong with the way they were taught and started digging further and going outside of that, um, that dogmatic thing that we are all taught and fed, spoon fed is from the moment we get here darn near, it begins in your thoughts. It starts like right there, you know? And then when you realize that you may have been mistaught, you've got to deal with the pain of your own cognizant dissidence. <laughs> and, 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 and we don't want to do that because it's too painful. I mean, I'm sorry. So you just want to use big college words now. Yeah, but, that, but, but that's how I talk. <laughs> but that's how no, I can talk. I, I want to say something about you, that, the cognitive dissonance. people what the heck cognitive dissonance is? Because I think a lot of I, these, these folks don't even understand that. Uh, okay. Madam Thera. Go ahead, Dre. Let Dre, because Dre got some, and I got a feeling she get ready to help y'all. Go ahead, Dre. <laughs> 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 and I and I and I'll suckle back if she doesn't. But let's hear what she got to say because I, I don't know if I don't get it right. If I don't get yeah. it, right, she 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 can't hit it right. Yeah, because the good doctor uh, is brilliant herself. You know Cut it out. I often the easiest way that I always try to think how can I explain something to my sons, and I always I used to start saying this at eight when it was like eighth grade, and I always say the conflict between what you believe and what you actually do. That's the most on the basic level. Now you can look and find all the other technical words, but it's that conflict between what you believe and then what you're actually doing. And once again, so so now this is what I think and I believe. I believe I don't know. Throw some out there. Um, I you know something as simple as saying you know I believe that as a woman that I can do this, be this, but as a black woman, I can be this, blah, 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 blah. But then the things that you do contradict yourself. You contradict yourself. And the reasoning behind why you're contradicting yourself is based on all these things that are going around. They're not, not based on what you believe. It's based on, I'm just, you know, uh, a lot of, and it's, it's, I always look at it as like the struggle, the fight, because dissonance is like a musical term. So uh, it's like when you play notes that are not necessarily in a chord. So it's not like they're wrong. Um, it just makes one of those, sometimes they'll say it makes like an eerie sound as opposed to a straight chord. It's that, it's those, that conflict. When we're not walking in who we fully are, 
we will continually find that conflict. We can say even whether it's us as parents or us as partners to somebody or us as whomever, this is who I say I want to be. And then like y'all said earlier, but you're saying, um, this is killing me. You know, you say that you want to, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, if you at the rally or at the, at the, at the, 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 the like, oh, I'm at the conference. At the conference, when the, when the person said, "Say this," and you say something real powerful, like, "I'm going to so and so and so and so," and like, yeah, you can manifest. You feel it in your spirit. You feel the energy to do it. It's like yes, but then you know, you come back to your space. You look around your house. You say, "How in the world am I going to get from here to there?" When our words aren't line, when our actions aren't lining up with what we say we believe. And like I said, this is how I talk to my sons. So there are, y'all can give more nuanced detail, but when I try to explain to them how they need to try to align their, their thoughts and their actions, how they need to, if you say you believe a certain thing, then you need to make sure that you're working to manifest that thing with what you do. I consider it to be an act of being willing to walk in authenticity. Okay. And what happens is that sometimes we need to do enough self-reflection to figure out that what we're saying that we want is not what it, we're either the thoughts are not there or the actions are not there. There's something that's not there. I did want to say this and I'll let you comment on the cognitive dissonance. Um, something that had come up just to me, and I know you'll have something to say about this too, y'all. Um, a lot of times, and what I sensed even as we've been talking so far, when people think about um, why these bad things are happening to me, you know, negative this, negative that, negative the other, um, a lot of times there is focus on the thing that they cannot control. Um, Y'all can tell her life and whatever she wants to share about how life was for her. I'll share um, one big thing that happened in my life. My mother dying when I was 21 years old, she became an ancestor. Three months before I married, three months before I was graduating from college, I couldn't control that. I was planning to become a wife. She had told me she was going to help me with that. She told me she's going to help me when I had my kids. She told me all these different things. Now that is still stands as one of the most traumatic things that happened to me. And I processed that out and did all those things um, over like maybe a decade or so or something like that. I couldn't control that. And a lot of times people are, you know, dealing with things that they can't control. If you're molested, you couldn't necessarily control that, right? And you weren't, it wasn't about manifestation and what you manifested. It was, I didn't do that to myself. If you were homeless, I didn't, as a child, and I'm talking about as a child, let's just stay at childhood because that's what a lot of people are dealing with. You know, I know people who are dealing with alcoholism and it's because they are um, uh, dealing with thoughts from when they were a child or dealing with what happened in the household when they were a child, the stuff that they couldn't control. Um, I just wanted to just introduce that part of it, the stuff we can't control. Often when you start talking about the negative stuff, they say, oh, that's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to come to me, Dr. Gula, talk about whatever, because your husband loves you. But my husband left me and my three kids. 
Okay, so you can't really relate to me. You know, um, it's easy for you to say that because you ain't never been homeless before. It's easy for you to say that you didn't have a parent that was on drugs. It's easy for you to say that. And, and all those thoughts come. And y'all, I think you're a perfect person to talk about that because of your own lived experiences. But I just wanted to introduce that to the conversation when we're talking about why people see, you know, or, or, or the influence that our past or whatever, or just life has on how, we, how things are happening and what's happening and things that are done. Okay. Before you before you go there, though, that is a, a a really good point to bring up, Andrea, because that is the the point we didn't talk about the fact that so many things are ch childhood trauma, and most of the things that we spend our adult life addressing usually is something that happened to us that was beyond our control, and we simply don't know how to deal with it. But then as we get older, we do start to learn that there are mechanisms to address yes. that and how to overcome that. But then some of us are so used to being in that pain that you don't know how to live without it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, teach. So uh -huh. when that pain has become a part of you, it's your identity now. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. There you go. It becomes a part of identity. And so you don't want to change your identity. Mm. And and that and I mean so we so so bringing that up I'm just saying we need to actually look at that because we're talking about the root and sometimes that root even though it began there mm -hmm. and you get older and you learn how to address it how to deal with it when you don't deal with it it does become your thing yep because you do you can once you know it, something as simple as as what the old folks tell you when you know better you do better. That's it. So we've all had issues in our childhood, I'm sure. There's some traumatic experience, but what separates those who have overcome that childhood trauma from those who keep going back there, from those who keep revisiting pain? Because we have to do, that's what you do. You revisit, you keep going back. You, you've allowed something to take root in your life and when something take root, what does it do? Grow. It grows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're not. So we're not dealing with it. You. You got. You got to cut a poison out. You can't cut a limb off. You got to cut it off at the root. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that that I just wanted to throw that in there. My God, you all have thrown so much out there. Um, Okay, I'm going to see if I can do this in order. So when I talk about cognitive, cognitive dissonance, um, I totally agree with what Andrea said. If I had to make it even simpler, if there's a, such a thing, um, I would definitely say it's when what your, live, what, you, what your lived experience is or has been does not line up with what your spirit mm. is telling you beautiful ain't so you are faced Speaking to my soul with a choice do i listen to my spirit to this god energy in me that saying every single thing 
that I've been living ain't quite right? And do I shift from that? Because all the people that I know, because flipping around when Keela speaks to the space of um, generational, the, the, the pain that becomes your identity, that a lot of times that's some generational stuff. So, yes. my, my mother was a victim of domestic abuse and domestic violence. And I was a victim of domestic abuse and domestic violence. Now, people will say, oh, they look at us and they say, well, you don't look like it. We, don't, we never saw you with the bruises or the what have you. Some bruises or injuries are inside of you. They're inside of you physically. They're inside of you psychologically and what have you. Akilah says it becomes a part of your identity. And so what has to happen is everybody that knows better has to make a choice to do better. Everybody that knows better don't do better. I used to think if you know better, you'll do better. And then ministry taught me there were people that were knowing better. They were being taught better, but they were choosing to not do better because to do better meant they had to listen to their spirit. And that was going to be breaking away from what they've seen everybody else in their family who dealt with that same thing do. They were going to have to deal with it differently. So when I talk about the domestic violence, my mother got out of it after, I don't know, 40 something years. Um, she just, she finally got tired and was able to move him out, get him out. I got out of it after 40 years. Not as long as my mother, but still 40 years. When my spirit said to me, this ain't how you got to live no more. You ain't got to do this. Mm. Now, my spirit had been telling me that. <laughs> had been telling me that. Told me that year one. Told me that year 20. Year 30. And year 40. But it was year 40 that I said, you ain't going to go out like this. I ain't going to let him kill me. Come on now. I'm not going to let him kill me. I talked about my issue. I had sisters who surrounded me who, it just I call them my sacred eight. They knew. They knew about the psychological abuse. They knew about the financial abuse. They knew about the physical abuse. They knew. The difference my mother wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> my mama didn't talk about it. And so I had a support system that she didn't have. Mm. 
And so that pain was no longer going to be my identity because part of the identity of that pain was you are a minister, you are successful, you do counseling, you're in the church, you're known in the church. Mm. And Mm. what are the people going to think? And is it going to diminish your message and your ministry? Mm -hmm. if you start letting the people know. Mm. And and what was that? And what was that also, though? Mm. Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive cognitive dissonance. It was your When you start Mm -hmm. talking about what what somebody else is going to think. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Well, but, but, but here's the other piece. The way I was trained was you've arrived in this so-called whatever. Come on now. And so now I've got to also wrestle with whatever I arrived to Mm -hmm. and redefine my arrival. (laughs) There are those, there's so many (laughs) fine little bones in there i'm not denying ego but i but we need to know that cognitive dissonance and ego are so intertwined you mm. almost can't even separate them and on top of mm. that well i used to remember saying to myself it'll get better just hang in there keep praying this this and this it'll yeah. get better and the reality is my spirit kept saying, uh-uh, you ain't got to live like this. We told you that he was like this at the front end of this. We let you go on ahead and scrape your head on the concrete. You ain't got to live like this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's generational pains. My grandmother had children with a man who wasn't in the house with her. She was married to him and he was out of the house most of the time. She raised all them babies by herself. My other grandmother on the other side, same thing, had children raised them by herself. So these are women who had gone through psychological and emotional and financial abuses per se, because they weren't there. They, they, and, and what does that do to a woman when she gives herself to a man and then he makes a decision that he's just not going to be there? He just ain't going to show up. Then she's questioning herself about what did she do wrong and why did she choose him or why did she allow him to be in her world? And so then she's got to deal with that whole self-esteem component. These are all generational things. And until someone within that generational line decides to do it different, Hmm. to show it different, to respond to it different, to think it through different, to say, uh-uh, just because my grandmama and my great-grandmama dealt with it this way, does, that doesn't mean I have to deal with it that way. And but so- how? But how? Okay. I wanted to comment, I wanted to comment on, on um, when you mentioned self-esteem, when you talk about self-esteem, um, that was something that really rung out with me because a lot of the decisions that are being made are based and having a lack of esteeming oneself in a certain way. Um, Being willing to accept a certain thing um, because I don't feel, whether it's I don't feel like I'm worthy of it, of anything more, whether it's I haven't seen it in my family or I haven't seen it um, for me, being a dark girl and being from the South, it was, that was a, a huge thing. Oh my goodness, being dark. 
and being whatever the the work that I had to mentally do just to there were certain things I would fudge over, you know, I'm gonna fudge over it. And it's just, you know, and it would come through as ego. So it was like, I'm, I'm just not, you know, my thing was I'm smart. So that's just what it was. But in the South, there is really a space where at that time there was a um, hierarchy and the lighter you were, the better that you were. That's how, when I was growing up, that's what it was like. It was like that. And so learning how to love myself in that I had, I've, I've seen people that because of the way they feel about themselves and their value that they place on themselves, they accept certain things. They don't believe that they're worthy of anything more. They don't believe that they're, that, that they're worthy to be loved in a certain way. And some of that might be just intrinsic because of, um, who they are as a person, or I don't think I'm pretty, but some of it can be because of things that have happened in the past. I don't feel worthy because this has happened. Um, Y'all mentioned earlier about a patriarchal society and what that looked like. You know, um, women who have had a certain, have had certain things, whether voluntarily or involuntarily happen in their lives, you know, it's deemed, okay, this means that you're worthy or you're not worthy. You know, are you married? You have kids and you're married. You know, there are plenty of black women walking around feeling unworthy because they have children and they are not married. And they were told that. Okay. Um, I was interviewing a Nigerian woman and she was even telling me that, oh, you know, I was asking about the honor that a woman receives when she has a baby and how her status changes. And she made sure to tell me, oh, but that's only if she's married. That's only if she's married that she receives an honor. And when we have those kinds of thoughts in our minds and we have those kinds of things um, going on about who we are, then we have to understand that that's going to impact what we think we is acceptable for us. You know, um, <laughs> as, a, as a doctor of education, it's, I, I recall having to go through processes where I'm sitting with, you know, um, white men and white women and different ones. And I remember sitting in those situations and really having them act as if somehow they were better than I was for no other reason. It couldn't be any other reason um, other than that they were white and having things happen and having to know how to navigate that um, when someone was condescending or did something that was out of line. How do I navigate that as a black woman? Because here I know that there are stereotypes about black women. My, one of the things that just keeps coming to me through this conversation and that we're hitting on here and there is that all of these things are not you know, some of these things are being imposed on us. And when we talk about how we break free from that, we mentioned earlier about being willing to question things, being willing to, to ask the questions why. One of the things, and y'all has talked about Christianity quite a bit, but I know also um, growing up in the church and having held leadership positions in the church, there is a certain place you get to where it's just supposed to be because you have to have faith. You have to believe. You're not supposed to question that. You're not supposed to wonder why. You're not supposed to, um, to doubt. 
you know, have that faith, the grain of a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, and, and do all those things, but don't question. But unless you question, and as she said before, are willing to question what Big Mom and them said, it doesn't degrade who they were. But they went through their lives dealing with certain yep. things in a way you didn't have to. Yep. So you have to question that. And when you question it and you see that, that their response was it indicative of their times and their knowledge and their limitations and their understanding, then be willing to say, wait a minute. You know, for me, <laughs> I've just had to walk in spaces where it's like, okay, I am, that makes no sense. When I, I'm a researcher. So when I do the research and I find out what is, it's like, uh, like I said, everything I thought I knew was a lie. You have, you know, women that are like, oh, I'm not attractive because I don't look like whoever on Housewives of this or that, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, I'm not the other. All you have to do is travel and be somewhere else in the world, and you'll see that there are all kinds of women that are found attractive for different reasons by different people. And okay. we just talked back, about that. Remember, we were talking. Yeah, Everything I knew was a lie when I went to the DR, when I went to Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. when I went to Africa and visited myself. And I'm mm. sitting up here like, oh my God. And I'm standing beside people in the, in the model of what I think is the one that's attractive. The men are jumping over that one to say, but who is your friend? <laughs> and I'm, I don't even know what to do with that because I've never had to deal with that ever in my life. But when I find out that what I was told was not, if, if it wasn't a lie, it simply at least wasn't the whole truth. When I find that out, Teach. what will I do with the information? That's when y'all were just saying, everybody that nobody ain't going to do better. You know, when I know and I understand, how will I allow that to deal with my cognitive dissonance when I'm trying to figure out why is my spirit not lined up with this external truth? Right. Because some of the time, these, this intention, these thoughts are the thing, that's the reason why the men are repelled. Because uh -huh. you're putting out energy like that. You know, you just keep putting out energy that says that. Now, that's never really, that, that hasn't been an issue for me. But <laughs> I've recognized because, and I'm grateful, you know, because I, that wasn't a real thing. I wasn't out there saying, oh, none of the single men, ain't no single men. That wasn't the thing. But, um, but one of the things that was really important to me was to understand what else was I lied to about? What else? What else lied? What, what else? Mm. You know? What else was it was it was was I lied to about? What else do I need to question? What else? What else? You know? What else? What are the limiting thoughts? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good when when we ask about the how. How do we how do we move past it? I, what I have told many sisters and what I've even told my own daughter was it simply is simply this when you get tired you <laughs> do something different some people will never do anything different and they will die in that wilderness they mm. will just die and that's unfortunate there are others who will never risk trusting their own spirit, your intuition, your 
God in you, what, whatever you want to call that. They will never, they will never trust. They will talk themselves out of it or allow people who have never trusted their own self to talk them out of it and keep them in the barrel with the rest of the crabs. They're going to do it. The truth of the matter is we don't save nobody but ourselves. That's right. We save ourselves. That's right. When we learn to move past the fear, the rejection, the people thinking we're crazy, or even giving a damn about what people think about our journey and our movement, when we can get past that, we'll do something different. Um, it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody be doing it and we wouldn't be sitting up here peeling back the onion trying to get to the root. But one thing about that onion peeling, every layer you peel, getting to the core, the, the crying, the tearing is more intense. And once you're at the core and you see how small that thing was and how big it had become, with the layers and layers and layers piled up on it to create a big onion. It almost makes you be like, well, God darn, why didn't I deal with this from the very beginning? But you didn't deal with it from the beginning because it wasn't yours. You didn't create it at the beginning. That was something that was handed down to you. Mm. And, and we tend to reflect. It's just like people will sit and tell folks that, you know, you have the predisposition to diabetes or this, this and that, because if it's in your family and your family had this and you had this and blah, 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 blah. And while I am not a physician, let me first say that. What I will say is the reason you see those predispositions is because the whole entire family pretty much eats and does those things that will make it run in the family. It's the same thing with pain and generational pain. The whole family has dealt with it the same way. Somebody has to do it different. And somebody has to be willing to risk that aloneness that happens when you step out there like that. Um, folks will say, well, you know, why me? And my answer is, why not you? Maybe, you, maybe the sole purpose of your birth of you walking this plane is so that you will do it different. So that generations coming behind you will do it and follow your lead. Maybe that's the sole purpose of your, your existence. But when you get tired, I promise you, when you get tired, you will do something different. It, this isn't a, a do, do point A, do point B, do point C. Sometimes you gotta go to point M, and then work your way around to H and then go back to X. It, it doesn't go in sequential order, but you got to do something different. You've got to do something different. You've got to change your thought process because it all starts up in that mental. That's what it's there for, to help you determine and decipher. Most people are afraid to do that. Because 
most people don't have the strength and fortitude to stand out against what everybody else is doing. You know, there are no accolades being the trailblazer until it is proven that the blade, the trail that was blazed works. But while it's in test mode and you're making those adjustments along the way, ain't nobody applauding you. But all you know is your spirit is telling you do something different. I'm sorry. I was going to say, well, you applied. Okay, I'm not going to curse. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, I was going to say you clap for your damn self. But, That's right. But, but, but I do want us to, even though we know that there's no, because I, I don't believe in cookie cutter. Like a one size fits all. I don't. Mm-hmm. Believe, but I do believe that there are tangible things that we can do to help us to pull ourselves out of the pain and the suffering. And so I would really like for us to to talk about tangible things, because I mean, one of the first things that I talked about that I came to my mind, and I know it's not a, it's not a quote unquote, it's not a panacea. Mm -hmm. However, we need to we need to stop shunning the ideas of therapy Mm -hmm. we have to stop shunning that and thinking that it's only for people who have mental illness people who are crazy people who are whatever and not all therapy is the same you can go with alternative types of modality to assist you nobody is saying go to the 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 psychiatrist Mm-hmm. A prescription because you have therapists who are not psychiatrists or the, the, you know what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. you have therapists who, 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 who are on a metaphysical realm that's right you have therapists who, who will be traditional but I think that we do have to talk about what can we do because because see some people are so stuck because it's taken root and it's grown. And so because it's there, because you gotta you gotta dig into the root to get the infection out, the, the psychological handicaps there. Um, how do I break it? How do I break this cycle? Because sometimes you don't know, and some people are going to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. But what's next? And that, I mean, that, that, that's my thing. What's next? What people can, want, what, what, have, what have you done? Those of us individually, we all here, we've all gone through something and, and, and I'm sure we all still struggle with something. But those things that we've been able to under, overcome, how do we do it? You know, we have to get out of this spookism that some spirit or some person is going to come back from the dead and save us. And we have this mentality that someone else needs to save us. You are the God that has to save you. Nobody can save you. You have to be willing to put in the work to save yourself. And I think that's a lot of people's problems. You want somebody to come and do it for you. Because in your mind, you think that's what being submissive or being faithful to God or being true to yourself is do it is, but that's not. You're really doing a disservice to yourself and to the God you say you serve by sitting around waiting for somebody to do something that He has already empowered you to do for yourself. Hmm. Yeah, 
I agree. I mean, when you ask, okay, well, what have you done? Okay. Um, I went to therapy. I started in therapy. Actually, I started probably at the cemetery talking to the ancestors. I probably started there. But then after having the powwow in the cemetery, I went for therapy. Um, I remember sitting up and talking to uh, Pastor Wright one time, and he gave me this example. I, I was sitting in his office, probably sitting in his office for about at least a good hour, hour and a half, just bawling, just crying my behind off because I had discovered some truths that totally went against um, what I had been taught. And I'm sitting in his office and I'm just bawling like a baby, just crying, crying, crying. And he just listening and he passed me some tissue and he writes something down and he look up, see if I need more tissue, pass me more tissue. And then he, he found an end road and he said to me, he says, so Angie, if you get a toothache at nine o'clock at night, what do you do? Now, I just sat here for a good hour and a half and poured my heart out to him for all the stuff that I was dealing with. And he asked me about a toothache at nine o'clock at night. And I'm like looking at him like, what in the world does this have to do with anything that I'm talking about? And so in the middle of my tears, I said, well, I, I, I take some medicine. He said, okay, and what happens when the toothache comes back at midnight? I said, I take some more medicine. He said, what happens when it comes at 3 a.m.? I'm like getting really frustrated because I'm like, dang, really, we on this toothache thing, huh? And I said, yeah, okay, <laughs> I, um, I take some more medicine. He said, well, what do you do when it comes at 9 a.m.? I said, I go see the doctor. He said, baby girl, what you've been doing is taking medicine. It's time to see the doctor. And he called a therapist for me, a pastoral therapist who was actually a licensed clinical psychologist. And I went to see her. And she was actually very instrumental in me um, studying psychopathology. And that is what part of my master's is in, because it was a different type of therapy. I had been in therapy when I was younger, and her therapy was very different. I've been in therapy four times, and four times at four different spaces in my life to help keep me straight, have no shame in it. So I would say I did therapy. Um, I did pastoral counseling. Um, and then I built a tribe around me of sisters who were unapologetically authentic and not afraid to tell me when I was off track, off the rails. And, and the other piece was I just was tired, you know, but you've got to overcome that fear. And a lot of us don't know how to release that fear. And unfortunately, a lot of us will stay stuck there until we do. But when you think about, well, what can you do? Yes, therapy is one. The other one is you may have to change the company you keep, you know, because um, 
a lot of times, you know, you hear the saying, birds of a feather flock together. That's a very true statement, you know, so you need to be mindful of who you surround yourself with, you know. Um, everybody has a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Sometimes you are the reason, season, or lifetime. Let's, let's figure out what role you and the people around you play. So um, I think that, you know, that's one of the things that um, helps. Um, okay, so what I would say is um, quickly a couple of things. I know um, when it, we, we talked about when we get tired, when we get to the end, I believe that part of the knowing better, when we know better, we can do better. I think sometimes it, when we are at that place before, um, we are stressed out and, 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 and at which end that that's a space where we haven't gotten to something being an acute pain and being or whatever, and we can look for remedies. So one of the things that my husband and I do with relationships, uh, whether family, whatever, um, because we have worked as elders in the church and we did the whole pastoral counseling feeling kind of thing. We have what we call relationship strategy sessions. And one of the things that we really believe is that people, uh, when we look at it, we look at it coming from like a village context. Before they were licensed counselors, before they were licensed this, that, and the other. And I think more along in the vein of what pastors do today, they were like village elders, you know, there were people that you could go to. And I know that that's harder nowadays, um, but that still exists. And sometimes just finding someone that you, that you feel like you can connect to, that you feel is objective and things like that, and being willing to um, share the, the situation. I'm not talking about something that's gotten to the end. I mean, learning how to talk things out so that before you start making decisions that lead to another bad decision that leads to another bad. And now you got to untangle all of this, that you go look for somebody with wisdom. And like I said, that is sometimes challenging, but I don't believe that that's a dead, a dead thing. Um, there are people, there are, there, there are people. And um, that leads to the next thing where it's just trusting your spirit. One of the things that we've done, we don't trust how we feel anymore um, about a certain situation. Uh, so, you know, it's like when they say you go to a, a, um, a uh, um, if you go to a family event and the baby doesn't want to hug somebody and it's like, hug, that, hug your uncle, hug your auntie, kiss them, give them a kiss. And the baby clearly doesn't want to. It's at that point that we, you know, if we're forcing that kind of thing, we're saying, don't necessarily listen to how you're feeling, what your energy is saying to you. Just yep. go with it. And along yep. the line, you do that for about 20, 25, 30 years. You don't know what you feel anymore because what you have done is set up a system where you do, like y'all said before, whatever that elder said, do, that's what he said, do. And no matter how I feel, if it don't resonate with my spirit, I'm just going to do it anyway. We set up these patterns where we don't look for the personal spiritual agreement within ourselves. We don't look yep. for it to, agree to, 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 to resonate like, ah, that feels right. I believe if you're going and you want to talk to somebody with wisdom, you will sense in your spirit, reconnecting yes. to yourself. I don't feel right about talking to them. I just don't feel right. Maybe you want to talk to somebody 
and you catch a peep of them talking about somebody else business that they gave out that'll tell you don't don't tell them your business they're gonna tell yours too so i wanted to say that um just that really 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 reconnecting like a simple thing with reconnecting to your spirit sometimes we watch stuff or we listen to things and we can feel our bodies tense up as we listen to it it could be political news it could be whatever practice and this is a real practice like we read we, we will readily cut off somebody that says something we don't like what they said mm, i don't want to listen to her i'm so sick of her you know i don't talk to her no more and we'll say it's because her, her her spirit rubbed me wrong she rubbed, I just, just, her spirit ain't right. But there's a lot of stuff that we let slip right on in the gate. Mm -hmm. We'll let that person come and we, we'll let the rest of that stuff slide right on through the gates. We don't stop everything. We just, you know, when we reconnect with ourselves, what does my spirit say to me? Yes. Is my spirit resonating with this? When I, and it could be a simple thing. We dishonor ourselves. Um, hey, sis, what you doing? I, by the way, I don't make it a practice of saying what I'm doing. I'm like, what you need? Okay. But you said, what you doing? Can you keep my kids for me for the weekend? Your spirit told you that you had planned already what you, you know what you had planned and that you really can't right now. But because you're not listening, and you just want to make sure that you seen as a good person at ego, you won't say, sis, wow, this weekend is not a good weekend. I'm so sorry. I won't be able to help you in that way. You'll do it anyway. And you don't see that as a breach. You don't see that as a breach in, in, your, in your energy, but it is. And until we align again with ourselves, little bitty things, stop acting like, oh, I just get triggered easily. You know, I'm a flinch. I, you know, I just stay ready. Why do you stay ready all the time? Mm -hmm. Why okay. you stay on ready? What are you ignoring about yourself that inside you, you just got to stay on ready all the time? Why are you never at peace? What does peace feel like for you? Reconnect with yourself. Yes. That's yes. what I would say. Yeah. This some, is some, some heavy stuff. Y'all, you know what? We, 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 could, we just got to shut this down. That just got to <laughs> shut this down. I can't take it no more. This is just so much wisdom being dropped up. In this. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I, man, I got to go to my challenges. I got to go to the challenges. Man, it's some heavy stuff on it. It's like the heaviest podcast topic we've had. I can't even. I can't even finish this steak. Y'all gave me a steak. I need y'all to cut it up, though. <laughs> I need y'all to cut it up. Because, man, that's just too much steak for me. <laughs> Number one challenge is we have to be mindful of what we manifest. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Dula. We got to be man mindful of what we manifest. Uh, number two, tap into what the universe has given you. Engage it. The answers are out there. The answers are out there. Three, stop making pain a part of your identity. If I didn't because I know I was carrying pain like it was part of my wardrobe. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> so we got to get out of there. You feel so much lighter. You feel so much at peace. Also, feel worthy of being delivered. So often mm. we think deliverance is for somebody else. That ain't for me. I'm supposed to stay in this pain. That is not true. As as y'all and Dr. Doulis explained today, you are worthy of deliverance. The next challenge is change your circle. And you need a supportive support system. Y'all has explained how important 
a support system can be when you're trying to transition and be other than what it's been in the past. You got to be better. And I feel my fifth challenge is get you some therapy. It's nothing wrong with therapy. We need to stop yep. looking at therapy mean like it's something wrong. We need to make that trendy. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we need to make pastoral counseling like a trend or something, like popular. Like people want to do they love. What's they love? Alcohol they want to do. What's the little drink they always <laughs> yeah, put up? The, the Patron or whatever the hell. We need to make <laughs> therapy like that. Girl, you got you a therapist. Yeah, girl, you ain't got one. That's what we need to do. I mean, we need to understand that we have to put self-worth, self-help first and primary. That's what we got to do. And those were my challenges. I want to give y'all and Dr. Dool, I want to give you both a last word. But it was something that I wanted to to read just to leave our oh, okay. Go ahead. listeners with. Um, this, is, this is actually off of my own board in my house because I, I keep a lot of, uh, y'all already know how I do even at the retreat when y'all mm-hmm. have to write everything. <laughs> on that board yes so it's 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 a for real one that i have in my own house and um as we were talking and i was thinking and we're talking about the root cause the all of this past the future all of our fears and so Mm -hmm. i don't remember where i got this from so let me just say that Uh, but it says do not let the ghost of your past or the frightening imagings of a phantom future Still mm. away today, and the power it holds for you to be all you are destined to be. Whoo! And I just wanted to. That's heavy. That's my that final. Heavy. The word that I would leave <laughs> is just the word that I started with, which is manifest. Um, manifestation. Understand the 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 power that you hold. And a lot of times, I can attest to this. Is there's fear sometimes, like. If I say this, sometimes maybe you're struggling with trying to figure out what this looks like in the universe. Like, what does this look like in the world? When I speak this out of my mouth and I really want it, what if I'm disappointed? Don't think like that. Just use the opportunities to, to, to connect with yourself. What is your spirit telling you? What are your thoughts? What is your heart saying? And then speak that out. Align your intention in your words and watch life manifests and this is not hocus pocus and a magician's trick be consistent continue to speak continue to ch- allow the challenges that are saying you got to change change shift and manifest manifest mm. manifest mm. um for me i think what i would want to say is each of us has have a value and each of us are very unique. Um, We have a gift to give to the world. You don't have to be a celebrity to bring forth that gift, but you do have to know that you are enough. Write the way you are. You are not cut off. You are a part of this grand, expansive universe, just like the trees have a rhythm and the plants all have a rhythm. You have a rhythm, too. We are not carbon copy cutouts. You are enough. I need you to know that. And if you have to just say it every morning when you get up, I am enough. Start there Mm. and say it until you know it. 
start there and let that be the catalyst that begins your change. You are enough. That's it. Beautiful. Woo! I tell you, boy, this is so powerful. We we got to make this a ritual. That's all I got to say. <laughs> this is a lot of wisdom. <laughs> it was a lot of wisdom, a lot of support and love and guidance on this podcast. This was not coming from a place of judgment, but coming from a place of love and acceptance. Yeah, Dr. Dula, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing so much of your soul with the Royal Empress today. And thank I, you for having guests, us. You think, okay, okay, yes, you know it. <laughs> you gonna be back. It ain't stop here. Ain't no period on this, baby. It's just a comma on this. Oh, we got back. a comma, huh? Okay. <laughs> got a comma. Y'all coming back. But I want to say to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. I pray that this uh, podcast topic has been so healing for you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.